0: Welcome to the Automation Unplugged podcast, the podcast for technology professionals featuring leading industry personalities. I'm your host, Ron Callis. Today's show features Sean Schutz, VP of Sales for the Americas at AudioQuest. With over 20 years of experience in the consumer electronics industry, Sean has called on mom and pop shops, custom integration firms of all sizes, all the way up to mass market big box chains such as Best Buy. Sean joined AudioQuest in 2012 with the opportunity to live in Taipei for four years, representing their distributors throughout Asia. In 2016, Sean and his family moved back to the States, and he has held multiple positions, including his current role as AudioQuest VP of Sales for the Americas. We live-streamed this interview on our One Firefly Facebook page on Wednesday, July 22nd, 2020, at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. In this conversation, we discussed Sean's background and how he got into the consumer electronics industry, cultural differences Sean encountered during his four years in Asia, Sean's love for Star Wars and how he was able to do charity work with the Star Wars costuming community, the 501st Legion, while in Taiwan and now throughout the US, and Sean's thoughts on Cedia 2020 going virtual. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do as well. Let's jump into my interview with Sean Schutz. Sean, how are you, sir?
1: Hey, I'm doing really great, Ron. Good to see you this morning.
0: Hey, man, likewise. Where are you coming to us from? Where is your domicile?
1: The the the, the COVID-19 domicile or bunker? No, it's yes. uh, so, Southern California. So Branch Santa Margarita, basically inside Orange County in uh, lovely Southern California today. So...
0: Awesome, well, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule uh, and when I say busy schedule, I know you're taking care of the Americas. Is that north uh, North, Central and South America All of that's your domain for audio
1: quest yep, it's that's all the domain and it's uh, it's you know busy busy during this pandemic is an understatement and it has yeah, been, been very busy, which is a good thing.
0: And so busy now you're not are you traveling? Or are you doing everything virtual from the bunker or what, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, it's, everything, everything virtual traveling, maybe downstairs to the living room, which I think conveniently now is renamed LMR. Um, you know, maybe the garage, maybe the park.
0: All right. Now I know that there's an acronym. I'm supposed to know the name. What's LMR?
1: I think that's living room. Uh, there's, there's some memes that have come out that have shown like an airport code for parts of the house. So like the bedroom, I think is BRM. You know, you're going oh, to <laughs> anyway. So I, I can't
0: help but notice all the Star Wars stuff in the background, and, and I, of course, am going to ask you at least 100 questions. My son is 11, and he's the biggest Star, War, Star Wars fan on the planet, and I, I told him I was going to be interviewing a Star Wars expert. <laughs> and uh, so at least most of my interview will be about Star Wars and then a few other questions, as long as that's okay.
1: Yeah, that, that's fine by me. I think some people during this have been probably watching a little bit of The Mandalorian and other things, so you know we could – We'll, we'll take a relief from normal life and talk about Star Wars. That's
0: fine. I love – and I just uh, – yes, I, I, I just was watching this, the Mandalorian uh, behind-the-scenes stuff uh, this weekend. And so I, I definitely want to go down that path with you. But before I do that, uh, for those that are watching or listening and uh, they may not know you and they mm-hmm. may not – I know that might be very few and far between that don't know you uh, and or know AudioQuest. But uh, do you mind taking us through your background? Kind of, what's your origin story? How did you land in this VP of Sales role? Yeah,
1: or origin story, as we're talking about superheroes and
0: exactly, I figured it was appropriate.
1: Just <laughs> uh, funny. So we just rewatched Spider Verse again for for Spider Man. Speaking of origin, such
0: stories. an excellent, excellent cartoon
1: movie. Uh, it's it yes, it is, and that's probably another another deep and topic. a killer
0: soundtrack, and uh, I, I won the it won the Oscar, didn't it?
1: Yeah, it did. And and number two, you know, I believe is slated for next year right now. It's for for animation. So, yeah. So into the Spider-Verse 2, I believe is 2021 or 2022. Same,
0: same creative team behind the first same, one?
1: Same formatting, same creative team and everything, which, okay, yeah, me, me and the boys are, are excited about that. So, and like, like you, so I have two littler Star Wars fans. So, you know, two, two boys, six and four. Oldest is named Sky. The youngest is named Solomon, or we call him Solo for short. I'll let the audience connect the dots on where their names came from. Wow, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So so Solo is either gonna be a smuggler or he's gonna be a very wise king someday. So I guess right. it's 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 fifty fifty. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, you, you know, you asked about my origin story or kind it's- of the background a bit, and you know, it's 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 very interesting to, to tie years to it now because you know, probably been in the industry over twenty years now, um, which is still crazy to say that kind of number. But I, I started in this re- kind of an accident where went to school for mechanical engineering, was kind of bored doing engineering, dropped out, you know, was doing some odd jobs at like, say, 19. And then I basically wanted to go play PlayStation. And I was like, oh, where should I go? I was like, I'll go to Best Buy. And I'd go there for a week. And then while I was looking for work, I'm like, yeah, maybe this is kind of a cool place to work. And this is back in 99. And I was like, you know, I applied for a job. And then next thing I know, 13 years later, um, you know, Basically worked for Best Buy on all forms of retail. Um, I Worked in I think I counted six different states, as far north as Alaska. I worked up there for a year, um, and then probably almost six years of that I worked for the Magnolia side of the business. So really got in depth to high performance audio, um, high end custom custom projects. You know I think the store I ran we had you know nine salespeople, six install crews, um, and we were doing projects you know from five grand to quarter million dollar projects that were, were absolutely fun. And, and then I, you know, back in 2012, I had the opportunity with AudioQuest to, to I'll say, you know, move away from retail or migrate away from retail and, and of all things move to Asia. So 2012 took an opportunity with AudioQuest to basically move to Taipei, Taiwan, um, live there and actually work with all the distributors in about 17 countries in Asia, um, and spent four years traveling over Asia, working with integrators, retailers, um, distributors all through the entire Asia Pacific region from kind of Australia, New Zealand, all the way over to India and everything in between. Um, and then four years ago, my wife and I, and then, and two boys because both were born in Taiwan had the luxury of uh, coming back to the States. Um, definitely some things we miss probably, probably being in Asia. Um, although I imagine
0: my, the food had to be pretty spectacular.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not bad. <laughs> now food, food is pretty spectacular. And as my, my, my wife would probably joke that, and my wife originally is from Taiwan, grew up there, but she's been in the States 20 years now. Um, so I'll let you do the math on it. She, she'd probably kill me if I was talking about her age right now, but yeah. she's constantly 27 anyways. But yeah. um,
0: permanently 20. My wife is permanently 27. <laughs>
1: But she, you know, missed the food. And But my wife, when we moved back, she's like, oh, man. She's like, we have, we have Trader Joe's again. So we can, we can still go back there and, and get our daily fix of, of TJ, so to speak. So, um, but yeah, moved back four years ago, it was a regional for Audio Quest, actually at the time in the Midwest, um, working a lot of dealers and distributors um, from basically uh, Nebraska all the way up through Minnesota, Wisconsin, et cetera. And, and then um, almost, uh, actually, it's going to be three years ago, October, took over as VP of Sales for the Americas. So what,
0: what prompted the move back from Asia? Was that y- your decision? Uh, you just guys were ready to, to get back into the States or was it some, some other business decision that prompted that?
1: Yeah, it was our, we, when I came to AudioQuest, it was kind of open-ended, you know, I, i I joke sometimes, you know, grew up in Wisconsin, board and bred um, North side of Milwaukee that, you know, you take a kid from Wisconsin, you throw them in Asia, not really sure how long, how long that's going to last. You know, it's a really big culture change and we had a lot of fun and it was open ended as far as time so whether it was 2 years or 5 years or 10 years and the timing just worked out right where there was an opportunity back here in the states to basically migrate back to the US um at the time work with some other bigger accounts that AudioQuest has um and so it was really just timing the timing worked out to move back
0: what well, what are some of the the cultural differences in Asia that you found you know maybe the most interesting or desirable. I mean, you, you, you had the luxury of calling on so many different countries,
1: right? I mean, it's, uh, and, and it's so vastly different, you know, you go from countries like Japan that, you know, every single media is a formal occasion, you know, and it's, uh, you know, kind of like how Italy, as far as a dress, you know, everybody is dressed exceptionally nice and it's a suit and it's very formal, you know, and then Singapore, it's very laid back. <laughs> um, so, you know, culturally, you know, things like public transportation I've talked about, it's interesting that public transportation we miss. You know, we move back to L.A. and Orange County. We're like, oh, we have to drive on the 405 and the five again. You know, let's let's go back to going to a train or a bus that's 50 cents and just easy to get around. Um, you know, so I think that that part is a miss. I think the ease of where we lived in Taipei and for those that, that don't know, you know, Taipei itself, eight million plus people, but con- very condensed you know, so we'd walk downstairs, walk, and we'd have 10 or 15 little local restaurants that we'd, we'd go to that were inexpensive, really good, but walking distance, you know, for any of those listening to New York City, you know, kind of that type of experience. Um, Orange County or a lot of the U.S., you know, it's more spread out, you drive to where you want to go, but but having that condensed, you know, walking distance for restaurants, you know, in cities like Hong Kong and Taiwan and and Tokyo, you know, that's, it's pretty cool, because there's so many options within you know a five minute walk sometimes
0: now uh, how how is integration different it or is it different in those countries
1: it's uh it's very different you know you take a country like Japan where very small you know domiciles if you were where everybody lives you know everything um so there's not you know average t v size is maybe forty seven inches you know we're here it's eighty six and how big can we go with this with screens and such, you know, so in wall speaker business, for example, for, for a category, you know, that's, that's not that popular because they can't really put it into that big of business. Um, you know, construction in Taiwan, we were trying to figure out how to get some cool audio in our, our place. We lived in Taiwan and it is all brick and mortar cinder block construction, um, which you're not, you're not running wires with that. It's, it's exterior or they're literally chiseling out chiseling out a channel in the cinder block to try to lay in a conduit to run wire. So building construction is different. Um, yeah, I think the one thing that's not different is, is as I traveled through each country, it was really open. It was really um, eye opening of as different as cultural things were and construction and things, you know, people's, people are really the same, you know? And when I say that, I mean, the, you know, I, I remember being in India, for example, with our distributor and we had, it was really awesome custom dealers um, and custom as we know it, the CDA type integration. It's huge in India. Um, I remember being there and we're talking about selling performance and how you convey value to customers. And the one, um, I remember hearing an objection from a sales guy and he was like, no, just, but in India people won't spend the money. And I rewound to when I moved to Alaska with Best Buy and I moved to Alaska at the time. This was back in like 04, I moved up there and the store was underperforming and, and the exact words came out of the salespeople there. They were like, you know what, people in Alaska won't buy this. You know, it doesn't matter what it is, but they're like, but well, they won't buy this. And it was funny talking to this guy in India 10 years later and re- reliving my story from Alaska where it, it's not about the customers, but it's about the perception. And it's how about we build value in what they're buying. And yes, there's different cultural objections and things like that to work through, but ultimately people are people. if they don't see value in a product or service or good they're not going to buy it um and a lot of times that's you that you're selling but but that was that commonality talk about an even playing field of yes you know india very different country and very humbling to see i'll say the the uh, the gaps and things like financial gaps between um the wealth
0: disparity in society
1: humbling in in the in the nth degree but but, yeah, the level playing field of just really how much more similar everybody is and the markets are um, outside of the cultural differences. That was that was eye opening.
0: Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Are you happy to be back in the States? How, how are you in the family? You know, you've been here for back for four years. Yeah. Are, are you feeling
1: settled in? Yeah, we're feeling settled in. And we go um, we've been trying to go back every year and a half. Um, like my wife took our two boys back to Taiwan last year for about a month. Um her family is back there, so her mom and dad, cousins, and so it was nice that they were able to go back for a month, work on their work on Chinese, work on their cultural, um, just just un- just embracing the culture um there. So and then we went back probably about a year and a half earlier for two weeks. Actually, sorry, it was almost a month actually we went back. So so we're we're here, but we all we also were trying to make sure the boys are pretty global. And, and uh, language, are you
0: bilingual or try I mean, do you speak more than English?
1: I- well, English, I would say, is still still under, in progress, if you will. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, so, so yeah, I studied Chinese for, and this is, it's it's always funny how life takes us on paths. Like, working for Best Buy, I was taking Chinese night classes just because, and this is back, I don't know, 09, 10. And I was like, you know what, it seemed like something fun to do. There may be a this certain business trend that's, that's gearing towards China. And so I was like, I'll take night classes. And I took night classes for two years and and then fast forward a couple years later taking the opportunity to move to taiwan and work in taiwan and hong kong and stuff so i don't know if i would say bilingual and it's it's like anything i've got to practice it so chinese is okay um you know my listening is is better um if i spend a week in taiwan it gets much better because i get re-immersed back into it um spanish i would say is so so it's kind of it's kind of english chinese and then spanish
0: all right, so I, I'm gonna uh, ask you to say something uh, about automation unplugged or one Firefly in Chinese. Oh, can, I, I, can, can I put uh, you on the spot? Can you does anything come top of mind that our our, our Chinese speaking listeners would, would know what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Uh so, wo, wo, yeah, put me on the spot. <laughs> well hangashing, uh, Ron Callis, uh sure what uh Ron Calla, sure, what we, a how pun yo. Uh automation plug, sure. Fei Chung hao, fei Chung hao. Um you know automation unplug uh the kahu, you know, eeong the audio quest kahu. you know, and woman of kahu, you know, that, um and by the way it's a filler phrase, but nga um automate, you know, yeah, I'd say I'm trying to think of other things to say. So basically <laughs> so. so you know, what I was saying, you know, Ron Callis what water how puny. So I'm really happy that Ron is one of my, my good friends. You know, and I'd say one firefly, the you know, sure, Fei Cheng Hao, is is one firefly is awesome. So that's there you go. That's amazing. My Chinese
0: Chinese. All right, that's so when right. we start dubbing the show into Chinese, that's going to be my new some version of that's going to be in my intro or outro. So just so you know,
1: (laughs) Chinese is interesting because it's very. So how we speak of, you know, Ron, you're, you know, Ron, you're my good friend. The Chinese, the way that the Chinese words go, um, look at Josh dropping in Chinese. Um, (laughs) The the way that the Chinese language goes, it goes reverse. You know, so a lot of times it's instead of I'm going to the store, it's, you know, the store I'm going to. So, you know on the fly, try and translate in your head it's it takes a minute or two Oh, that's
0: that's all, and just so you're just so we're clear. you are seeing comments on your side.
1: I'm seeing yeah, so Josh Willits uh, I'm seeing him drop in some Chinese characters, and I do not read characters, so thanks, John. uh you know what? I just clicked over
0: uh this is clear as in most cases when customers call you guys integrators, and you say this isn't working and it's user error. This was user error. So I'm glad you told me you were seeing that because I had to click something in my software. And now I see everyone's comments. So that's, that's fantastic. Thank right. you, guys. for. There you go. I'll put, I'll put on screen whatever Josh is saying. I hope it's polite, Josh, because uh, if not, the world is seeing it here.
1: Yeah. And Josh, uh, I'll, just say, I'll, be, I'll say back to you, Jio. Um, just Jio in business. And, and Jio, it, it's funny. It literally translates to add oil. Like you can go Jio to your car, um, but they use it in especially sports uh, or like baseball. You know, somebody's baseball is really huge in Taiwan and Japan. But in Taiwan, you know, for, first of all, if you've never experienced a baseball game in Asia, it is uh, it, it's insane. So go to a baseball game here. You know, speaking about sports and baseball coming up this week. You know, it's it's very you know, everybody's sitting down. Maybe there's some chance to get toward the end of the game the uh world baseball classic was in taiwan when i was living there and we went to go see taiwan versus south korea the entire game all nine innings everybody stands and every single batter that's at bat everybody is chanting they're you know beating drumsticks together and uh, the jio slogan is literally add oil but it means basically means go 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 or um however you want to translate that but baseball experience side note in in asia is crazy because they're it's packed you know, pre COVID type experience. But if the energy is like, I'd say college football type energy in a stadium where it wow. is just, it's, it's different, but it's also baseball. So it makes the, the experience a little bit different too. So.
0: That sounds amazing. I, I'm always uh, uh, fascinated by folks, by the way, that can speak multiple language. My wife, she speaks, my wife's from Brazil. And so she speaks English, Portuguese, and Spanish all fluently. Read, write, and can speak it, and I just—I'm just so fascinated how someone can do that. So, and I don't know. I think Asian languages strike me as harder because they're not Latin-based, and yeah. so it's really a totally different way of thinking and 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 speaking. So, good job, congratulations. Yeah. How, how your Portuguese, Ron? I—I I got not. I got like a whole inventory of dirty words, but that's that's about it.
1: So, yeah. All right. I'll I'll. I'll, I'll... I've uh, traveled to Brazil a couple times. visit our distributor. They're in the south of Brazil, so Joinville, so very, very south. And it, it was interesting. Way,
0: that's way down there.
1: Yes, yeah, way. I, I think you know. Before the show, we were talking that it's a flight from Houston to Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo to Curitiba, and then Curitiba was a two-hour drive down to Joinville. Um, but it was interesting going down there. Um, I mean, awesome group of, of folks down there. But listening, you know, you know, my my one Portuguese is obrigado, which is you know, thank you. But the uh, but how much you can actually if you understand a little bit of Spanish that you can really start to piece it together really well. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think all my all my Portuguese is clean. So
0: I, I I understand when my wife speaks, say to her mother or to, to family or friends and she speaks Portuguese. I, I understand probably more than I let on. <laughs> but I, I couldn't put those words together to make sentences. So I, I know enough vocabulary. I don't know, my vocabulary Vocabulary is probably some hundreds of words, maybe a few hundred yeah. words. Yeah. So I can generally get concepts of sentences, but it's it's not very helpful. If you dropped me in Brazil and asked me to get around, there'd be a lot of a lot of sign language and you know miming versus like. <laughs> versus words.
1: Right. So
0: um I want to jump to a, just a different topic here. And that is, I'm just uh, curious and maybe for my audience, because I didn't know this and you, you had mentioned this to me in, in recent conversations, just the, the amount of custom work that Magnolia stores do These Magnolia stores, maybe for those that aren't familiar educate, what is a Magnolia store? How many of them are there and what's the typical type of business or the volume that these stores are, that these locations are doing?
1: yeah and and so the way, so Best Buy you know rewind back to two thousand and two, they had bought Magnolia based out of Seattle. you know, and they had this aspiration to build a nationwide um, integration company, essentially. you know, take the Magnolia model that was real doing really well at the time and scale it. and And I will say that you know being part of the experience from the from the inside and then obviously being on the outside, you know everybody has learnings as they try to build out and scale things. Um, but essentially what it is today, you know, the Magnolia design centers, they have approximately 90 locations across the United States and they, they operate, I would say very identical to a lot of our integrators. You know, they, they house, you know, eight to 15 sales staff that are, you know they're commission. They are, they're not necessarily working retail, so to speak. A lot of them, as a matter of fact, a good percentage of them rely on referral business, just like a lot of our integrators um and then they they work with projects anywheres from you know the quick kind of kind of hang and bang type small projects t v mounting projects from five grand all the way up to you know quarter million dollars half million dollars there 's been a few seven figure projects they 've endeavored upon um you know and those are and kind of everything in between so it's um you know and obviously having the i 'll say engineering and um um, and design elements on the back end of that to help out with with those sort of projects so so yeah it, it's it's they're they're endeavoring down um projects the same size of a lot of our integrators
0: what's a typical revenue uh, uh top line revenue if that if that is public information I, I'd, have to,
1: I'd I'd have to double check that but I would say on the high end it's probably as big as some of the integration companies that are out there um but I have to double check if, that, if that's public information, if I'm honest.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I don't want, you, I don't want anyone getting in trouble here. But there, there are 90 medium to large integrators around the yeah. country. And, and, yeah. and most, even in my mindset, and I know a lot of people I talk to, they, they wouldn't maybe generally or historically count those Magnolia stores in that integration story. Maybe that's just my ignorance. But uh, I appreciate you educating me. Yeah, happy to. So all right star wars i I appreciate the mando helmet uh uh behind you uh, but let talk about talk to us what what is your affiliation with Star wars this is the first interview I've done that I've got various stormtrooper helmets and paraphernalia in the background so uh tell tell our audience kind of what your connection with the Star wars universe
1: is sure um you know, I'm I'm going to publicly call out my friend Klaus from Simon Lindorf. That is not, he may or may not be listening. He's in Denmark at the moment. Um, but to this day, I'll explain my background, but he's, I, I consider a pretty close friend. His son's name is Luke. So I'll let you connect those dots.
0: Uh, by the way, I've got to put this on screen. Frederick says, this is the way.
1: <laughs> as, as he has a son named Ben, by the way. So I'm just going to also throw Fred in the, under the bus there. Right. Um, you Klaus is funny because Klaus has done a lot of work with Steinway and Dolby. And for like the last five years, um, he's been teasing like, hey, we're going to go to Skywalker. We're going to go to Skywalker. And he's a member of Skywalker Vineyard. He's been up there numerous times. And one of these days, we're actually going to make it up there. You know, hopefully after after COVID, we can travel a bit. But that's like the, uh, the I guess, the mecca, if you will, to travel to. But, you know, my going backwards for a second. So my, my affiliation was, I guess, like a lot of people, you know, I'm 41 years old, you know, one of the first movies I like, think I saw in the theater was Return of the Jedi. And you just grew up with, I'll say, the the fandom. And and I think the the things you see behind me, and I will say there's three full, full costumes also that you don't see here today. Um, it actually started once I moved to Taiwan. So I always had friends that were involved in what's called the Star Wars costuming community. And there's a club called the 501st. And the 501st Legion, I mean, it's global. There's 10, actually 12,000 plus members. In 2019, they raised over a million dollars for different charities, whether it's Alzheimer's or, you um, know, I'm, I'm escaping of other ones. Um, there's multiple different charities they work with to raise money through basic costuming. And it's all volunteer. So what happened was is I had friends that were involved and I said, I'm never going to get costumes or, or helmets to convert in. I said, that's too nerdy. Um, and then fast forward to me living in uh Uh, Taiwan I was like man I'd like to meet some more people and have some more friends that you know outside of just work stuff and the local group there was like 30 people and they get together and they they dress up as stormtroopers and other Star Wars characters and they do charity events in Taiwan and finally I was talking to my wife I'm like I think I'm gonna cross the threshold I I think I'm gonna get a full stormtrooper costume and and do this and uh and that was back actually six years ago and it was a blast actually the first time I, I dressed up was actually Disney put on a big promotion in Disney, Hong Kong, where they flew in a hundred of us from 13 different countries. Um, they, we had to pay for our airfare, but they put us up in a hotel for a night and it was a, a parade. They did for all the, everybody in Hong Kong that day. And it was the first time meeting all these people. I was super nervous. It was the first time like dressing up as a stormtrooper, And I see all these other people and intimidated, but, I think the one cool thing is it was kind of like our industry when we do get together face to face and break bread is even though it's 13 countries and people I'd never met before, within five minutes, it was, it was instant family. Um, so that kind of got me hooked of, Hey, I can be doing really nerdy charity work where I can dress up and do make a wish is another foundation they work with a lot. And, but also be able to have fun with it. Um, you know, there was, um, you know, a girl I was there was a, a girl was being bullied and a bullying campaigns or anti-bullying campaigns are really big in the group. And I remember this story that she she was like, I would say, 14 years old, you know, about to go to homecoming. It was getting super bullied that story. I won't go into detail here, but basically she loved Princess Leia. So she dressed as Princess Leia for homecoming. The local people dressed up a stormtrooper to escort her to the to the homecoming. And it was a hit and I actually got news publicized around the world. And there was a campaign that she kind of had regressed she got super depressed and and uh, was getting bullied again so i was having a business trip down to down after this this hong kong event and our local group in taiwan actually we had we had a customized shirt made for her that with her name on it and and a local kind of star wars patch and this other stuff and gifts. so when i flew down there i took an hour out of the way with one of my local friends down in australia to go surprise her with all these gifts and and that kind of embodied what the group was about. It's not, it's about, we joked, dressing up as plastic spacemen. Um, but it's really about bringing smiles to people's faces and through charity events. But it was also through the, uh, you know, seeing um, seeing her face to surprise it. Here's somebody had flown from Taiwan to bring these gifts her just to say, you're awesome. You know, keep things up and and don't let other people get you down. And, you know, ended up, you know hanging out in the, the little city it's about two hours north of city for a bit it, it was it was a blast and again most of those people besides facebook or social media i I'd never talked to in person but within five minutes you know instant family so that that um i guess uh, affection for star wars has kind of grown a little bit so i brought the mandalorian helmet just for you today so i i appreciate that D-
0: out of curiosity do you have a favorite star wars film
1: Hi, actually my, my favorite, and, and anybody that knows me that's listening has probably gotten this. Is I my favorite is actually the animated series, um, the Clone Wars. So, yeah, so Clone Wars. They're so, so good.
0: It, my my son and I consumed the whole thing over the last six months. <laughs> it was it, it's an amazing TV show.
1: Yeah, it's uh so Dave Filoni, who's the kind of the brainchild behind that who, by the way, you know, he also wrote the Avatar Last Airbender series. So he came from that. But he was really the last person to be an understudy to George and really just absorbed everything. So the Clone Wars, forget Star Wars, forget it's animated. The storytelling was so good and so in-depth. Yeah, so and- rich,
0: so textured. The characters are so well-developed. Yeah. I mean, you, get, you understand all the main characters and all their idiosyncrasies it's it's really i I love content when it's well written yeah and character agreed. development is really built out versus uh replacing that with action or or noise yep. and so yeah that's why even though it was i don't know if it was a children's series or not my child my son did find it and start consuming it but i i i wouldn't let him watch an episode without me
1: <laughs> yeah we and i've I think my boys, well, especially my six year old, he's been going through a lot of them. Um, but as we watch them, you also realize that the amount of levels of things they touch on, societal levels, um, wealth disparity, um, you know, lots of things. They deal with the things on a lot of different levels. So that's where the storytelling was so good. Um, and it's interesting about you know as we were consuming different types of media during this whole COVID-19 crisis of, or pandemic that, you know, Mandalorian, which has been obviously a huge hit, you know, season two comes out this fall, you know, Dave Filoni, there's a reason that Dave Filoni, this was his crossover to live action, but where everybody is, you know, a lot of the reviews have been like this, this is good storytelling. Um, but the, you know, you and I were talking to, I think about a week ago or so about the technology behind it, but it looks, it feels awesome, but the storytelling is really good. You know, and Dave Filoni's, and John Favreau together are kind of the brainchilds behind that. So, so,
0: so for those that are listening or watching, and they don't understand the difference in the technology when they filmed Mandalorian, can you maybe put it, put it into your words? What, what happened on Mando on Mandalorian that made it so different and unique in terms of TV production?
1: Yeah. And I, and I it's uh picture this. So they, they shoot movies nowadays and it's earth, a movie and you want to get a scene that's that's snow and either you have this really big set you build or you go you go someplace live right so you go to like Empire Strikes Back they were literally in I believe Norway if I remember right and they shot it on site in the middle of a blizzard and that's how they captured the the hot snow scene and uh, but with Mandalorian and you can catch this on Disney Plus they show that most of what you're seeing while it's actual props in the set is there all you're seeing the background the sky That is all digital screens that are in real time changing. You know, the light is changing to reflect shadows and reflections all real time. So it's a digital set with full digital screens that they were able to to shoot on, basically not have to go on site for anything. So they have the set and then the adoption of kind of a a 180 degree bubble, if you will, that they're they're inside. And it's, you know, I sound like I'm explaining it really well, but to see it. And see the YouTube videos or what they put on Disney Plus. It is a super cool. Movie. It's it's a game changer in how they can make productions without having to really go anywhere, which was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, the John Favreau is the what the executive producer and/or the creator of the show. Yeah, and you know he's been doing what I, I think he was doing all the Marvel stuff, you know the Iron Man stuff, and and most recently, and then he did uh, uh, the Lion King. And then he did before that, he did the Jungle Book and he and John Favreau was really pushing the boundaries with new technologies that would enhance the the lifelike action on screen. But meanwhile, trying to leverage technology and then, you know, my son and I, we play a lot of Fortnite and, uh, you know, the I play on my phone. My son plays on his PlayStation and uh, it's kind of kind of our thing. And he and I have been totally geeking out about the, the, the parent uh, – the company called Epic is really one of the innovators as it relates to the latest uh, technology and game engine design. Right. And it was actually a game engine that mm-hmm. they used on Mandalorian. So the all the screens are – basically you're immersed in a game virtual environment that's being projected – on to the ceiling and the walls and true parallax. So as the camera's changing position, it's as if the virtual environment, it's not as if the virtual environment on all the walls and ceiling are changing. So all the light reflections on Mando's helmet are real. They're not CG. They're not post-production. Right. And that it was such, I mean, just the tech as if the show and the scripting wasn't already amazing. The technology, I, I, you know, it's pretty, pretty darn cool. Hard to not geek out.
1: Yeah, and, and actually, you know, a last interesting point. I was watching something actually yesterday, the day before. So Clone Wars finished up, and there's this massive, I'll say, duel that goes between uh, one of the characters, Ahsoka, and, and Darth Maul. And typically animation, they animate. But this one, they actually, they actually mo-capped or motion-captured it with Ray Park, who Ray obviously was the original Darth Maul, and then, and I'd have to look up her name, but she's another martial artist, a stunt stunt woman, that she was the other mocap kind of counterpart to to Ray, and what was interesting, I didn't realize this, so first of all, you watch it, you're like, this is an animation, like, this looks like it's too fluid, it feels too, it feels too real to how they're interacting and fighting. But what was interesting um, when they shot it is there was a rig that they were able to watch real time with motion capture. But what Filoni saw is he saw the animation. So while they were fighting, going through the motion capture, he was seeing obviously raw, but he was seeing the raw animation of how this would look before it goes to, to post. So he was able to really coach it on the animation side live as he was mocapping it. And that's another one where animation I think is taking a whole different level that, they can mocap animation where it's much more realistic like that, or just much more, you get much more emotionally involved and it doesn't feel like it's just drawn that, that, you know, again, there's a lot of groundbreaking technologies of how we're consuming entertainment that are, 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 you know, we're at the forefront of it right now.
0: I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, fantasy and sci-fi in my, my TV shows and movies and this new, era, really, of incorporating technology into movie making, and it's exciting, you know, if you think about what the future is going to hold and all the talented, creative people, you know, in Hollywood and around the world that are are now going to be able to do so much more of immersing us in these virtual these virtual spaces, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Now, question for you. Of course, I have to ask, as a stormtrooper, you are, I think, what we would call a professional stormtrooper. <laughs> uh, have you or your buddies been in any of the movies, or is that how it works, or how does it work in, in movies and TV shows?
1: Yeah, so, so I, I regretfully will say, no, I have not. Um, but, so there's always, um, there's casting events that happen where, you know, I think uh, Force Awakens came out. There was a Honda commercial with Stormtroopers in it. Um, and they, they'll they do what they call high profile casting through Lucasfilms. And they put it out to the group and then people can, you know, submit for them. Um, and uh, I guess Mandalorian about a year ago, I remember it was December about a year ago, so a year and a half ago, it came out. There was a casting call in LA. And first of all, it said, hey, you need to be available for a whole week. And I was like, well, I can't take a whole week off of work on a as much fun as that would be. I said, I can't do that. But fast forward to there's an annual event called Star Wars Celebration. 10,000 people show up in a city just for Star Wars. And I'm sitting there with a buddy of mine um, whose name is Jocko. And we're sitting there talking and and we're having a good time one night. And the next day they roll out the trailer for Mandalorian and they roll out, hey, we used, I think it was something like 20 plus, um, 501st members as stormtroopers in the in the. in the in the show so if anybody's watched it at the end when you see a bunch of the stormtroopers a lot of that they brought in uh um and basically you know passionate members from the from the 500 first but they had no idea and i mentioned my friend jocko because the next day is they announce this and they show they show the picture that it was felony and the entire cast for mandalorian with all the 500 first and they show the picture and here i see my friend rick my friend jocko um and i'm escaping of other names but probably about five or six other people i know personally and I, I had some expletive words I said that, you know, turned into him and I'm like, dude, how long have you been sitting on this? And he's like, we are under NDA. He's like, we couldn't say anything for six months. I still can't say anything except that I was on the show. And I, you know, at one point you're like, man, I'm super jealous, but you're super excited too. Cause they, now it's come out and it's part of the, um, behind the scenes that they've shown, but super cool that Filoni was like, man, we need a lot of stormtroopers. I know some guys and he put out the call and, you know, here are 30, 40 people show up and, they're extras, you know, they're, and actually, I guess Disney actually recently added them to IMDb. So everybody that was on the show now has an affiliation or a credit for being on the show through IMDb, which was kind of a cool move by Disney um, to be able to do that for them. So, so yeah, I I personally, you, you can share it. Personally, know people that have been stormtroopers since I watched from afar.
0: This is the second uh, Star Wars affiliation. I, I, uh, I've had on the show a couple of, Uh, I got to think of how many shows ago I had Alex on from audio control and Alex uh, I want to say he was in the, the first hope, the original star Wars. He was a child alien in the, uh, the bar scene. Did you know that?
1: I, I, I I talked to Alex, you know, on a pretty regular basis and we've never, we've never, you gotta
0: gotta talk star Wars with him, man. It, it, it it the news broke here on Automation Unplugged that he had been in the original Star Wars.
1: Oh, that's no news to me. So obviously, uh, Alex, I owe you a call to uh, to talk about that.
0: That's that's funny. And I got a, we got a few comments here. Let me let me put uh, uh, Allison. She goes awesome. I need to watch. You need to watch Star Wars. All right, Allison, you're scaring me. Oh, oh, I'm a few decades behind. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I, I. Allison, you have time.
1: That's, that's, you have that's,
0: time, but you need to get on it. Uh, Star Wars is 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 clearly uh, critically important. So that that was fun to go down that path. And just by the way, the different stormtrooper hel- uh, helmets behind you. I, I yeah. went to the wide shot here so that everyone can see those. Can you quickly go through what the differences are in the, in the helmet types?
1: So, so here's the interesting one. There's actually 25 behind me, but there's three three glass cabinets here that you can't see.
0: Oh, I do. I see it there. Yes.
1: So the only one, I'll, I'll show you one because you were mentioning Clone Wars. It's kind of cool. So if you watch Clone Wars and Captain Rex.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. He's the, yes.
1: Yeah, so I, uh, a friend of mine who's really good at custom art, like all of this is hand-painted, hand-drawn. You this know, is
0: Rex's hat,
1: right? Yeah, this is Rex's helmet. So even to like the details of. Wow. All that stuff. But all the rest are a regular stormtroopers. there was something funny that you know people do mashups so this was a project recently to do a a tactical stormtrooper that you know looks like he's a a seal team 6 but stormtrooper so it's fake yeah. nvgs on there and yeah,
0: yeah that is so cool is there like an online store for stormtrooper helmets where you acquire these or are these all custom made
1: uh all custom made so there's um so, so a lot of this is, so imagine making models as a kid. You, know, you break apart models and you're gluing things together. Basically, Stormtrooper armor and anybody that you see that's ever dressed up at a baseball game or hockey game or events, You know, it's first of all, they, they build it on their own. So it comes as like a kit, but it's all loose. So it's Velcro and glue and snaps and duct tape, well, sometimes duct tape, um, that are all kind of put to piece it together. Um, So yeah, there's, there's not a store, but there's plenty of uh, the community, you know, you picture this, you know, you go to Cedia, for example, and there's a forum for everything on Cedia, Star Wars, there's a forum for every single costume that's out there of tips and tricks and, and people helping each other out that are doing it for the first time. So,
0: all right. So what, what do you know about Mandalorian? When is the new season? Were they able to film it before COVID and is it in post-production or is it, was that being held up?
1: So my my understanding, so I, I know nothing more than any of us with really good Google skills know. Um, my understanding is they finished it and it's still slated for October release. And that was one of the shows that they were able to, to wrap up all shooting before everything shut down for COVID. So so we have more, more things to consume here come fall, which is good. Oh,
0: this is so good. This is exciting news. Can't wait to tell my son that... Uh, that event is coming. All right. Uh, believe it or not, we've we've been going for quite a bit here, and I I still have like eighty percent of my topics. I still want to talk to you. Still want to ask you about. Uh, so I'm going to have to uh, prioritize here. Uh, so first of all, I, I'm going to put on the screen here your website, just so that everyone can see. You know who who you work for, who you represent. Um sure. What what is? Uh, and I I normally would have done this at the beginning, but I forgot. Um, what is audio quest? What, what is the, the company that, that you represent? What do they do and what do they represent for the, the industry?
1: Yeah. And, and it's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll mention both companies because we did have an acquisition that happened back in January. So you have two companies really. So you have AudioQuest, which a lot of you are familiar with. Um, and, uh, audio has been around now 40 years, you know, founded by Bill Lowe. And we've always been a, I'll say a high performance cable manufacturer, but, as a lot of anybody that's ever dealt with AudioQuest, we have a pretty big catalog. So we've we've always wanted to fulfill really any any need from every price range. You know, so for you know cables, do we have cables that are a forty dollar retail for HDMI? Absolutely. Do we also play on the high end? And I will say, have some of the most badass speaker and power cables out there. You know, our highest end speaker cable is forty thousand dollars retail. Um, so we play on all all ends of the spectrum. Um, which also means we play in every, every single channel, whether it's retail, um, you know, custom integrator, and then, kind of, you know, I'll say high-end performance, you know, custom types, sh- um, high-end performance shops that deal with companies like Magico and, and, uh, and such.
0: You were telling me, uh, that Metallica, is it Metallica, the band that has audio quest <laughs> cables in their studio? Is that their home studio or their studio studio?
1: Yeah, I, I, and I'd have to go back and look at which studio they used it with, but the, the pro side, you and I were talking about, we have we have a lot of people that are on the pro side that they become audio quest fans through their home systems.
0: And, and uh-huh. you were educating me, so I'm actually going to put on the screen, let me pull that off here, and I'm going to put on the screen this way. This is my fancy AudioQuest XLR Yukon cable. Yep. And I, I actually called you because I was like, I know this is supposed to be pretty cool, but can you, Educate me like what what is the coolness factor? And you were telling me about copper and air tubes and all this sort of cool stuff that, of course, everyone listening knows what all this is. So I'm like the novice huh. newbie here.
1: Well, I see I see Joey Peacock's on and Joey, Joey could probably educate all of us really well. So.
0: Oh, yeah, there he is. He uh, Let me put that on the screen. Joey Peacock. Right there. And then Dave, is he he's with is he with AudioQuest?
1: So Dave Ellington's our director of sales for AudioQuest. Um he lives down in Houston. So he's uh he is he is one of Joey's friends, mentors, and and a uh, and an all-around awesome dude. He heard us. He says, Hey.
0: Hey um,
1: Joey. Yeah, you know, it's we, we use an analogy a lot of times with AudioQuest that it's 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 like mac and cheese, and all of us understand mac and cheese, and all of us have had the ninety-nine cents mac and cheese that It does its job; it gets us through college or whatever our time is that we're going through. And then we've had the mac and cheese with custom-made French cheeses, and maybe dropping a little crab, and the noodles are handmade. So, and the reason we use that analogy is just all about the ingredients you use. And you could have commodity cable manufacturers that use, you know, they choose their their ingredients for price. It works; it does the job. You know, for us, we can choose different ingredients that cost more money. But the ultimate goal for us is lowering noise and distortion, and and therefore getting you know the most out of your systems. If it has less noise and distortion, therefore you're going to get more out of your systems. And that's every single thing you know. You mentioned air tubes and and different types of metal and different types of insulation. All those are our ingredients that we can be able to to work with work within to be able to have different performance levels of cable that are out there. So what if anything? During this, and I know that you did
0: mention you also had a recent acquisition. If you can yep. share with the audience what that was,
1: yeah. So the Quest Group, which is the parent company of AudioQuest, um, still owned by by Bill O. So everything is is you know still a single owner. Um, we fully acquired uh, Golden Ear or Golden Ear Technology uh, back on January first. So a lot of people know Sandy Gross and the companies he built with Definitive Technology as well as. Um, as well as Poke Audio and uh, Sandy and Bill had been talking for a while, and we essentially consummated the the acquisition January first. So now we have you know both brands, you know, separate sales team that manages uh, a Golden Ear. A lot of people here might know David Penrod. David's the director of sales for Golden year for North America. Um, so that acquisition has been like a lot of acquisitions. It's always fun to kind of go through that and learn the dealers and the intricacies, but. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's been a fun kind of addition, you know, um, as a brand and, uh, and speakers that we have to complement AudioQuest out there. So
0: inside, I- inside of the AudioQuest lineup, have you noticed any changes in habits or patterns from either your integrator customers or the consumers out there? Are you sold exclusively through retailers and integrators or is there a direct sale component to your stuff?
1: so we so we are so we don't sell direct to consumer um we have a I'll back for a second so we don't go through distribution so we're direct for all retailers all integrators um you know there is a a handful of our products that are on say control force portal the savant store um so we put a, a handful of those on to make it available for their dealer bases um but aside from that it's it is all direct um i think the trends have been interesting you know, one trend, I will say every single dealer we talk to right now, um, every integrator we talk to is busy. Um, so that, that part has been, you know, outside of, you know, I've I've t- had a conversation where everybody's kind of gone through the cyclical wave of April was kind of the holy, I'll say, holy cow, holy cow moment. Um, you know, May was like, okay, PPP is done. We got our funding. And then it's like, let's get back to doing business. And, and, and we were, we were I think, lucky on a supply chain side that we if supply chain's pretty good. Inventory's pretty good on the cabling side of things. Um, actually, both brands' inventories are pretty good. Um, but once business started ramping up, dealers are like, "Hey, we're booked six weeks out. We're booked eight weeks out." Um, you know, I'm I'm one on a business trend, by the way, that I'm still I still question sustainability a little bit. But while we got it, um, and while we have it, and while consumers are staying at home and all the content we were just talking about with Star Wars and Mandalorian and people are enjoying it at home and investing in their systems. That <clears throat> the business trend has been really encouraging. <laughs> um, on a consumer trend, I, I think it's, you know, one topic, you know, we were discussing pre-show was, you know, behaviors that e-commerce, and I think the rapid changing environment of how consumers are engaging that we've seen a big change. Um, and even how we, we are engaging to our dealers. Um, you know, that part has changed. Um, so on a product side of things, you know, we're, we're a little lucky on the cable side, at least that we, you know, where the panel manufacturers go, where AVRs go, where the other manufacturers go with, with their technology, we're, we're kind of the tail to a bigger dog where we, we, we will follow them. Um, so that we haven't seen a big change in, but, but behaviors and where people are shopping and how they're engaging for us to dealers or dealers to their customers. I think there's been a huge shift there and a huge change there.
0: Are dealers, uh, and what, you know, dealers or slash integrators, retailers, are they allowed to sell your stuff, your cables and devices, uh, from their websites? I mean, is that allowed in the ecosystem?
1: Yep. Yeah. So absolutely. And and we rely on them for that. So we have, you know, we have a handful of dealers that sell through, you know, marketplaces like Amazon, um, you know, Best Buy, of course, sells our product on their website, and then we have a handful of partners like Crutchfield, Worldwide, Stereo, High Def Lifestyle, that um, you know Bjorn's app that will sell our products on their on their sites. Um, but the products are UPP products. So the nice part is, no matter where you're going, you know you're seeing a Cinnamon HDMI cable for the same price, no matter where you're going. And uh, and in today's you know e-commerce driven world, you know that's that's pretty strong because last thing you want is is price disparity or or losing your pricing on a on the e-commerce platforms? Got it,
0: makes sense. A uh, couple more quick topics here before before I I, I let you jump, if you allow. Uh, and that is uh, CEDIA. There's there's yeah. As we all know, this is not news. CEDIA is not going to happen in person this yep. year. It is going to happen virtually. I know. I just had uh, the one Firefly presentation from the CEDIA crew just last week maybe a week or two ago. Uh, I'm just curious uh, what your read on that is. Maybe uh, what sort of buzz that is happening inside of your organization and with folks that you've talked to, do they, are they going to participate? If so, do you think dealers are going to participate? I mean, I think we're all kind of trying to figure this out.
1: I, I think it's, it's a great question. And you know, we're, we're definitely looking at all the options, but if I, I look at how we've adapted through this, through this pandemic. And we were, we're a very personal company. You know, I, you know, a lot of our dealers and sales people work with us, you know, we're, we're always in the field, we're always very hands-on. So to not do that was kind of like, man, how do we adapt? And we've adapted to a lot of webinars and a lot of engagement through zoom or video, uh, video conferencing and such through this. So, so when you look at the CDA virtual, it's, it's a tough call. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll make a final decision I think a deadline, I think is this week for it. Um, and the tough call is do you invest money, which let's face it, that yes, business is very good, but a couple months, it was really tough. So do you invest money in that? Or do we continue to av- invest in education and web platforms with, with our dealer base or other dealer bases, you know, so through partners, like say one firefly or savant or control 4 or other ones, do we invest in, in connecting with them there? Versus, say, a CDA virtual, and I think that's where it, it's. If I had to lean towards a decision, it's it's investing into our existing dealer base a little bit more personable. It's a little bit more not wait and see. You know, we kind of control the content, the message, and where it's going out. Um, but I think everybody's also trying to figure out how do you adapt during this time. You know, and CDA is trying to do the same thing. And and while is it the right thing? I, I don't know, but, you know, they have to also be able to figure out what does work that they can continue to educate, you know, the integrators and and the dealers out there and educate both on the CDA side as well as as well as giving at, you know, manufacturers a vehicle or avenue to to try to also engage to the community. So I know
0: for many years I've I've run into you at so many uh, events, so many industry events, buying group events or CDA events or or whatnot and there are, at least to my knowledge, uh, no events happening. I guess maybe the CDA Tech Summits or maybe. Um, I, I think that's still accurate. I don't know if a verdict's been made there. But there's going to be no events this year, or not many. Um, yeah. How do you think this changes our industry as you roll? we roll out of this 2020 year into the future? What do you think changes?
1: You know, it's... It, it's it's there's probably two answers I think everything changes and I think some no, no things change and then there's probably some place in the in the middle and I, I go back to behavior changes of you know six months ago a year ago having a, a zoom education um, with salespeople at a dealer or a zoom co branded so it's the dealer working with a working with a project working with a consumer you know they have, you know myself from AudioQuest. They have somebody from from Sonance. They have somebody from other manufacturers. Alex from Audio Control. They have a couple of different manufacturers to help with a Zoom call with a project that they're working on. And a year ago, that might have been different. That, that probably wouldn't have happened. People would have flown in for that. They would have met face to face. But I think through this, that some of those behavior changes are are forcing us to think about how do we engage differently and maybe more smartly. Um, you know, buying groups, I, I think are one, you know, some of the, you know, breaking bread moments, you know, that's that's never replaced, you know, you and I sitting down and having a lunch and, and having a conversation, um, you know, that's that doesn't replace the in-person feel. Um, but I think it's going to the, the virtual environment like this um, or what Zoom or other ones have, have provided is we've been doing it for so long now that it's like, man, if I've seen more dealers if this makes sense in the last you know three months or four months, then maybe I've seen in, in the last year because we're we're able to gauge quicker and faster through different platforms. Um is it the right answer long term? I probably not, but is there some sort of hybrid mix between that? Of I think a lot of in talking to a lot of companies, I think a lot of us have figured out that we've become much more efficient um through the forced change than say, you know, having salespeople on the road 50 weeks a year. So it's kind of a long answer. And I, you know, not, again, we're still in the middle of the pandemic, so we're not quite out of it, but what do buying groups look like? What's the what's the, what's the value add for the get together of what's been done for years. And I'll say in some ways it's, have have they been done because that's the way it's always been done probably. But I think this pandemic is forcing everybody to rethink what, what's truly valuable and and how do we move going forward? Um, So, so kind of a long answer to a short question, but
0: no, I, I I agree, man. I think it's hard to know the unknowable, but uh, those all seem like reasonable observations. And uh, I think we'll have to all watch and see what happens, but uh, I know we're all trying to figure it out. And I do know that Uh, Sean, it has been uh, a lot of fun having you on the show, my friend.
1: No, it, it's it's and we probably could go for another hour with different I topics. think
0: easily with all the quite all the, the the material I have here, I think we could easily easily roll for a full Joe Rogan segment of maybe three hours. But I'll just <laughs> save our audience from that. Well I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it here. Um, how can our audience get in touch with you? What's the best ways to to reach you or to follow you?
1: Yeah, so I, I will preface that I social media on on facebook and linkedin i probably use for more more personal you know non-work related things um i I like to use social media as a positive if that makes sense for everybody out there um so don't be surprised if there are more star wars or family things that are that are probably shared on there. linkedin is where i kind of keep things i'll say more you know reviews or other things that are going on in our industry you know that's where i tend to engage our a lot of our community more on that platform um but I'd say through those social platforms you can find me I don't I don't have them up to you know a slide to throw up but no,
0: that's okay we'll we'll later. drop it into the the comments on the Facebook page and we'll of course we'll have all of those social links and and points of reference for contact on our show page on our website so we'll make sure that's easily accessible and you're easily
1: findable yeah and Ron I'll, I'll echo it you know it's been fun chatting with you and You know, one thing I think I saw early in this pandemic was the only way we get through this, however long it lasts, is through a community and through us really comparing notes together. And it doesn't matter if it's one Firefly or AudioQuest or or Joey, calling out Joey down south. You know, it's the more we compare notes, the more we discuss what we're going through, the more we also share the victories and the, I'll say, points of light. You know, that allows us to, I think, mentally understand that It's not if we'll get through it. It's we will get through this and and how successful all of us will be as an industry, which is, which is why when you asked me a month ago, Hey, would you ever be on the show? my answer was heck yeah. It's, it's fun to talk about this. It's fun to talk about things that aren't especially doom and gloom that's out there. It's also fun to talk about things that we have fun with. So, you know, can we go on and on and on about Mandalorian? Yeah. But, but it's also that's that, that is fun. We don't always have to be in a, uh, an engaged business conversation because, you know, there are other things, there are much more positive things that are going out there. So short answer, thank, thanks for having me on, man. It's, it's, it's good seeing you and good chatting with you for a bit.
0: Likewise. Awesome. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Automation Unplugged. For a full transcript of this show and all previous shows, head over to our website at onefirefly.com forward slash AU There you'll find links to all transcripts, show notes, Facebook live recordings and resources mentioned during the show. If you enjoyed this episode and like to hear more, follow us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please follow us on social media. We are at LLC on all platforms. Don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Automation Unplugged as we dive deeper into technology trends and the fascinating people that make up the custom integration industry. Bye for now.